Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Sustainable Futures Report for Friday the 20th of July. I'm Anthony Day. Yes, July, that's right. Actually, today is Thursday the 21st of June, but if you're a patron, you're getting this episode a whole month early. If you're not a patron and you've had to wait until the 20th of July to hear this and should like to be a patron, well, just hop across to patreon.com slash sfr, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sfr. And while I'm talking about patrons, let me welcome my latest patron, Sheila Jones, who has joined as a gold patron. Welcome, Sheila. Your Sustainable Futures Report enamel badge is on its way, and I'll be in touch to set up the promised discussion groups very soon. Goals. This special episode is mainly about goals. But not football. About the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals from the United Nations, and about how they relate to business. And as an extra extra... At the very end of this edition, I've included the interview I did yesterday morning with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. She wanted to talk about carbon dioxide, but it might not be what you think. First, I'd like to mention a couple of books, which I'm going to review later this year. I thought I'd tell you about them now to give you time to read them and see whether you agree with what I have to say. The first is A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains by Catherine Wheatman. It has testimonials on the back cover from Ken Webster from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, from Mike Barry of Marks & Spencer, and from Dr Juliana Powell, a senior lecturer at Cranfield University. My review will appear in September's episode of the Sustainable Futures Report. The other book I wanted to talk about and will be reviewing later this year is Designing the Purposeful World by Clive Wilson. It's particularly relevant to this next interview. Both these books are available from all good bookshops, including the ones that pay their taxes. And now to these goals and to an interview. Christina Joss is head of Salter Baxter North America, a leading sustainability agency working across the whole spectrum of strategy and communications for multinational businesses. Prior to Salter Baxter, she worked at Business in the Community in London. She has more than a decade of experience in strategy and communications, having worked in the private and non-profit sectors in the UK and the US. This is what she told me. Christina, today we're going to talk about goals. We're going to talk about business goals. We're going to talk about the sustainable development goals from the United Nations. We're going to talk about moving the goalposts, which is the paper produced recently by Salter Baxter, which I think brings all those different sort of goals together. Would you like to expand on that? Absolutely. Um, So leading up to 2030, uh, Salter Baxter was really uh, reflecting at the end of 2017, saying, you know, what are companies looking at? Uh, the sustainable development goals have really gained momentum and support from the business community in a way that many people did not expect or predict. Um, and so we we sat around and, and talked about 
how can we support businesses? What really needs to be changing? Um, because there's so many external factors at play. The sustainability space is moving so quickly, and there's huge trends that are, are really starting to emerge in a new way. Um, and basically, we decided companies are just not doing enough for that transformational change that everyone is talking about and the need. Um, and we really think at the heart of that is the way that companies have been approaching it from a, from a goals perspective. So really um, where they're putting their stake in the ground and saying they need to be, uh, we don't think that those have been ambitious enough. Um, we've started to see some examples of companies taking the lead here and there, but systematically companies need to have stronger goals in order to, to reach um, the aspirations set out in the 2030 uh, Sustainable Development Goals Agenda, and to really just address the challenges that we're facing on a day-to-day -day basis now. So that was really the catalyst behind this piece, um, okay. and really the core of that argument. Right. Uh, businesses have been setting goals forever. They've been setting KPIs and things like that. Um, are they now fully aware of the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals? Are they actually seeing them as an issue which is relevant to business? I do. Um, I, it's it's hard to say categorically. Every business um, is, is thinking about it in the same way. But uh, as I mentioned, there is definitely a huge uptake on the Sustainable Development Goals from the private sector um, in, a, in a way that, that really no one predicted. And, and that continues to evolve year on year. So when they were first announced, we saw a lot of companies um, jumping in from a communications perspective, you know, putting their hand up and saying, yes, we support them and, and this is what we're doing on, on these certain goals. But in the last 18 months, we've really started to see companies take a much more strategic perspective. Um, and those conversations and those actions are still ongoing. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, but I, I definitely think that there is a movement um, towards more support of the sustainable development goals as companies actually start to feel the impacts of those challenges. And are you talking about a particular industry sector here or are you seeing this right across the board? Seeing this right across the board, uh, but there's absolutely certain sectors that are feeling the pressure, um, mm -hmm. both from a operational standpoint, so food and beverage, for example, yeah. or from a customer perspective. And, and you might see that with consumer packaged goods, apparel, retail. Um, but in general, I think all companies are starting to think about them. What about the scale of the company? Are small companies in on this or is are they leaving it to the major organizations to take the lead? It's a great question. Um, and I don't think that there is really one answer. There are definitely some small companies that are putting um, you know, social issues at the heart of their business. And you know, social enterprises are a great example. And there's some really amazing and interesting things happening in that space. Um, there are also smaller companies that are in the supply chain of really big companies um, and have either taken the lead for that business or followed suit. So there's definitely a lot of activity on the uh, social enterprise space. Um, but I would say, yes, there's probably more inconsistency and more gaps with smaller businesses simply because they just don't have the same level of pressure or resources to address it. But um, the supply chain is a great opportunity for those companies to, to get in on, on the opportunity. Right. So you mentioned the supply chain. How important is it then for a company to also engage its suppliers? 
Um, it's critical, really, uh, because, you know, one single business, um, no matter what size they are, really cannot do it on their own. And that's really what's behind systems thinking, which is also an, an emerging um, narrative and, and piece of work happening in the sustainability space. You really need that collaborative effort. And a lot of bigger challenges that are happening in sustainability are happening later down the supply chain and, you know, tier two suppliers and, and beyond. Um, so in order for a company to have a thorough and strategic approach to sustainability, they absolutely need to be engaging their suppliers. And there's even some interesting things happening in reverse. Um, there was an article the other day that I read. Uh, of course, I can't recall the exact publication, uh, but there was a lot of talk about how suppliers might actually start being more of the push for bigger businesses. So um, it's a really quite a push and pull happening right now. Yeah, I can think of a couple of supply chain examples, of course, both relating to the electronics industry. One is criticisms of the working conditions in electronics assembly factories in China, which affect mm -hmm. big brands over in the West. And the other, of course, also related to electronics, is the issue of conflict minerals right down the supply chain. Where is mm -hmm. the tantalum coming from and so on? Absolutely. I mean, the human rights agenda has really elevated the need to look at supply chain. And there are some amazing organizations in that space that have done an excellent job um, at really highlighting those issues and getting businesses engaged. Right. There are 17, sorry, there are 17 sustainable development goals. Should businesses concentrate on all of them or are there any particular ones which are more important than the others? I suppose it depends to some extent on the nature of the business. It's a great question and we get asked this a lot. Um, the, the beauty of the SDGs are that they are interconnected. Um, so if you, you're looking at one, you're uh, in theory, really kind of looking at all of them. But I would recommend from a kind of deeper strategic perspective and a communications perspective that companies focus on just a few. Um, and by few, I mean you know, three or four to really kind of drill down and get focused and have the big impact. Doesn't mean that they can't be looking at the other SDGs, um, even in a strategic way. There's certainly ways to, to connect to all of them. Um, from you know the way that you work with your employees on a day-to-day -day basis and the opportunities you provide to them all the way through your supply chain and, and engaging uh, consumers on sustainable lifestyles. Um, but from a more deeper strategic and communications perspective, I think focus is what really goes a long way um, because it helps allocate resources. It helps your stakeholders understand what it is that you're really trying to do. And it just gets the business far more focused to have an impact. Do you find that this is a strategic issue at board level or do you find that the companies you work with actually make employees at all levels aware of their involvement in the SDGs? Um, I've seen both actually so I, I actually think that the board level tends to be a little bit harder um, doesn't mean that board members are not aware of the sustainable development goals, but though that topic is not always escalated as frequently as I think us in the sustainability field would like. Um, but employees definitely present a great opportunity. So anything that you're doing on CSR or sustainability, it needs to really be um, resonating with 
employees. It needs to be implemented and activated with employees. Um, and it's a great way to engage them and make them feel um, you know, proud of the company that they're working for and incentivized by what they're doing in the business. Um, but you know, the board level is really the area that still needs to be unlocked further. Right. I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought it was the other way around, that if corporates were actually engaging with the SDGs, they'd do it from the top. But you're saying they aren't necessarily. It's Well, it's like a lot of sustainability. There's people down at the, at the shop floor, if you like, who firmly believe in it and, and historically at least have had great difficulty in persuading people up the line to actually take it seriously. And yes, is it definitely, being taken it's seriously? Definitely uh, or, are we, uh, or is this just another um, example of greenwash? Also a great question. And again, I would say there's examples of both. Um, I definitely see some great examples of, of companies taking this seriously. Um, but you know, there, there's also an opportunity um, to, to be a bit disingenuous. But I'm increasingly having conversations with companies to say, you know, we haven't actually done that much on the SDGs. I see the value in looking at it and applying it, but we don't want to be disingenuous in the way that we position them. And I think that's great because that's a healthy perspective. Um, and it doesn't make sense for all companies to completely change their strategy or all their goals based on the SDGs. They should be a tool um, to apply in a number of different ways, and that'll be different across every business. Um, but I, I think it's great that companies are are using them, uh, but also understanding the need to be authentic. Um, but absolutely, I mean, greenwashing is just not something that we've completely overcome. It's going to happen the way that it does across a number of other yeah. industries and topics. Yeah. Um, but we're all definitely getting smarter about identifying it. Yeah, you, you mentioned that there's value in developing a suite of sustainability goals to support a larger strategy. I think that links back to what you were saying earlier. Don't go to all 17. Look at one or two. Um, is, is that the approach that you'd recommend? Um, absolutely. So this is something that we cover in the thought leadership piece, Moving the Goalposts. And it's, it's this idea of creating a suite, or sometimes we refer to as a family of goals. Um, in the piece, we really talk about the need for companies to create more transformative and strategic goals uh, for sustainability that are akin to business strategy goals. Um, you'll get more return, you'll get more interest and uptake, and ultimately, you know, just general greater value. Um, but the idea behind the suite of goals is that not everything needs to be transformative. Um, goals can serve different purposes. So I think that there's absolute value in having more performance-driven goals um, investors are absolutely looking for that in order to, to benchmark and assess um, the sustainability of a business and, and the long-term viability of that business. Um, that's a growing trend that we absolutely need to be considering. Um, so those operational performance-driven goals definitely play a part, but there is a need and an opportunity for businesses to think far more strategically about their sustainability goals. Um, and develop ones that are, you know, inherently unique to that business. So that's what we mean by a suite, uh, making sure that your goals are, um, are you know, unique to the business, um, that provide an opportunity to, to benchmark and show performance from an industry perspective, um, and just serve a wide range of needs. I'm going to put a link to the sustainable 
development goals uh, on the United Nations page on the web page relating to this podcast. I'll also put a link to Moving the Goalposts because your document is freely available, I, I believe. Absolutely. So people yeah. can read, uh, read and uh, download it for themselves. If people who are listening to this are really not anywhere as far as the SDGs are concerned and feel that perhaps they ought to do something, what would you suggest that they should uh, start doing tomorrow morning? Well, they could call us. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think the first part is get familiar with the 17 goals. There's absolutely wonderful information on the UN website, really clear that they've done a great communication job um, this time around. Start to understand the goals and, and the targets within those. So, um, you know, each of the goals have kind of a high-level statement, so climate change, for example, but there's a lot of really interesting content and specificity that sit below that. So just get familiar with the goals themselves and then start to align with what you're doing as a business um, and try to find those synergies, so where you think you're starting to have impact on the specific issues and challenges outlined in the goals. And that's a really great start. So do that mapping exercise. Find what you're doing and perhaps what you're not doing that you might be able to look at. And um, the second step uh, off the back of that would just be find really great partners. Um, you know, there's organizations working across all these issues. Just reach out, start having conversations, figure out what you should be doing, what you could be doing, um, and it will start to unfold from there. Well, I shall be happy to put your contact details uh, on the blog. And um, when people have gone through the first two stages, they can ring you if that's appropriate. You're uh, operating in the States. You're not operating in the UK, though, are you? Um, I am in the US, uh, but Salter Baxter has uh, headquarters um, in London and New York. So we have teams um, on both continents and happy to support um, either way. Great. Is there anything you'd like to add before we close? Um, well, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. It's uh, great, great to speak with you. Um, I'm really excited that the, the Sustainable Development Goals have had the uptake that they've had. I think there's so much more that can be done in this space. It's really interesting to see how companies are um, being really creative and innovative in their approaches. Um, you know, the, the UN consistently asks for support in just communicating the goals. They just really want to get the news and the information out there to anyone and everyone because that's really where the impact starts to happen. So in any way that you can play a role in that, I think is, um, I think is great. Well, thank you. Christina Joss is head of Salter Baxter North America. Plenty to think about there. If you'd like to contact Christina, her details will be on the blog. That's at sustainablefutures.report. And that'll be on the blog published on the 20th of July. And now for something completely different. I'm talking to Julia Hartley-Brewer on talk radio about carbon dioxide. There's never anything that's off limits for debate here, as you know. But uh, let's talk to my next guest now. Anthony Day is an environmental consultant and presenter of uh, the Sustainable Futures Report and joins us now. Good morning to you, uh, Anthony. 
Good morning. Now, you'll be pleased to know we're not talking about cannabis with you, but yeah. we are talking about this fear that a shortage of food-grade carbon dioxide gas uh, could mean a crisis in the World Cup, a drinks crisis. So many popular fizzy drinks, crucially also alcoholic fizzy drinks like lager, could be hit by a shortage. Tell me it isn't so, Anthony. Well, it looks very much as though it is so, but as you say, it's fizzy drinks. So if your beer that you drink is, is pulled on the hand pump, then that's not going to be affected because the, the carbon dioxide in that is created naturally. I can feel, I can hear the sounds of relief. Can I just check, is Prosecco done that way? Because if I lose my Aperol spritz on a Friday night, I'm, the world is going to be in trouble. I'm quite sure proper Prosecco isn't done that way. Uh, no, I'm not natural. Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I, I feel so relaxed now. But this is the thing, OK, it's, it's, how can there be a shortage of a natural gas? Well, the thing is that uh, this is food-grade carbon dioxide, of course, so it has to be processed. It's a byproduct of fertiliser production, of ammonia production. Um, and normally they don't produce much fertiliser in the summer. Uh, they mothball their, or they put, close the plants for maintenance. They've had some breakdowns as well, which means that the actual uh, supply has uh, fallen down. Also, raw materials have gone up. Uh, there's competition from outside Europe. Uh, so the suppliers of fertiliser are just sitting on their hands at the moment. And because the CO2 is a byproduct, that's not being produced either. Well, apparently also there's a massive consequence as a result of at least five gas producers across northern Europe shutting down plants for maintenance during the yeah. spring and early summer months as they prepare to focus on fertiliser output. Uh, mm -hmm. And other sites suffered, you say, technical breakdowns. Um, but the British Soft Drinks Association's Director General, that's Gavin Partington, has said the shortage of CO2 across northern Europe is impacting a wide range of businesses across the food and drink sector. Now, whenever I hear about, oh, shortages, I always think, oh, they just want us to panic bulk buy. They make a load of extra sales. We use more of the stuff and then it all goes back to normal. But you're saying this is absolutely genuine. Yeah, but they might take the opportunity to put the prices up because there will be a shortage, won't they? Oh, they would never take advantage of us like that. <sighs> Surely, you'd never... I mean, I well, no, no, I shouldn't have said that. Now, shocking, I? shocking. <laughs> but I mean, genuinely, will we be... I mean, when I, when I go to the supermarket and there's a shortage of uh, something, there's something that's not on the shelves, and I, or maybe even for a week or so, I just think, oh, they just, they've got a problem with their supply chain. Uh, mm. But this actually could be... This could actually affect us. Well, are we going to see empty shelves in supermarkets? Well, I hope not. I hope not. But, of course, we might see people saying, you know, half a dozen cans per, per uh, buyer or something like that, if it gets really bad. Oh, my goodness. Don't tell the people in TalkSport next door. They'll be, they, they won't cope with that at all. Um, but well, um, you just have to go to your local pub and drink the beer off the pump. So this may actually be a good thing for the pubs. Yeah. Although a lot of the stuff that pubs sell now is in bottles, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. Yes, not that I drink that. I like the, I like the hand pump beer. Have we ever had this issue before, though? Not that I'm aware of. No, no. Um, you know, it's it's something that people probably haven't thought of either. You know, it's always been there. I, I genuinely had no idea it was possible to have a shortage of a gas that is uh, we're constantly told we've got too much of. Well, of course, but I mean, the, uh, the difference is, of course, between um, food grade and what's up in the air, yeah. which is coming out of power stations and cars and things like that. It's like the difference between flood water and tap water. Ah, oh, plenty of flood water, not yeah. so much the drinking water. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Really interesting to talk to you. Anthony Day. If you're listening to this in July, I hope you got a drink and I hope your team won. If you're a patron and you're listening to this in June, you've got everything to look forward to. I'm Anthony Day and that's all for this special edition of the Sustainable Futures Report. If you're listening to this in July, the next edition will be out on Friday the 3rd of August. But if you're a patron and listening to this in June, the next edition will be out on Friday the 6th of July. 
Either way, I'll be back very soon. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report, and I'm off to research the next one. Bye for now. Thank you.